There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to another episode of That's What People Do. You are joined as always by me, Ryan McGowan and James Kay. How are you, buddy? I'm very well, thank you, Ryan. How are you? I'm very good, I'm very good. Uh, if anyone's interested, of course, uh, the last time we recorded, we told you that England had got through the quarterfinals. Um, England have now got through the semifinals and are now finalists in the European Championship, because obviously we've got a lot of people that don't listen from Europe who have no clue what's going on. It's coming home is what's going on. It's it's coming home. Uh, Kasper Schmeichel was like, has it ever come home? And then he got a laser in the eye for it. Um, yeah, that's not on. Shouldn't be doing that. But he still saved the penalty, so fair play to him. Yeah, that's because he's a top fucking goalkeeper. And I swore 57 seconds into the episode. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, Make sure you hit our Kofi page, guys, because this is the kind of content you will get. it's a, if you do fancy donating to the show, you can do so. You can hit us on the Kofi page. There is a link to it in all of our social media. Um, if you'd like to uh, rate and review us on any iTunes or uh, other apps that you use to listen to us, that also helps the show. Just because I've got it out there. Why not? Uh, right. Are you ready, James, for this episode? Because I was so excited to write about this and I knew that you would be happy to hear about this episode as well. I am looking forward to it. I genuinely forgot this week who we were talking about, but you've just mentioned it beforehand. And yeah, it's it's a it's a man who's close to both of our hearts. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Um, but before I go there, I must just quickly take another aside. Um, I need to make a correction on last week's episode when we talked about Stonewall. Um, now, when discussing the death of Marsha, pay it no mind, Johnson, I said that, quote, if there's one thing that, like, a homophobic person hates more, 
It's a homophobic person who's proud of being homophobic and will flaunt it. Now, that makes no fucking sense. (laughs) Now, I edited last week's episode, and when I listened back to that, I was like, what have I just said? That makes no sense at all. Um, What I meant was that if there's one thing a homophobic person hates more, it's an out and proud person flaunting it, is what I was referring to. Uh, Right, okay, I get it. If anyone was confused, all right? That's my little correction for myself. That was my homework to get that out. I mean, this just shows that I don't listen back to our episodes. (laughs) It's... dear listener it's one of these things that at the beginning we were so excited we've got our own show you're kind of listening back to it all the time you're like oh i'll I'll give it another listen because i'm interested in hearing our voices and if it's a good show and whatnot we're now what nearly 100 episodes in uh i'm pretty confident of the content and the quality that we're coming out with um and sometimes you just don't listen back to them anymore yeah and also some of the shit we come out with i just don't want to listen to it (laughs) yeah So, let's crack on with the show, and I will crack on with that quote that I finished last week's episode on. Welcome to me humble abode. Lovely, eh? I have no doubt you all know who I am, but for those of you who have been living under a rock, I am Jack Shepard, the finest thief this side of the Thames, and I'm not going to carry on because we may get sued. Um, I can't even remember it from there. I think I've just, like, repressed that memory. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the next line i'll give you it you may now or is it you now uh you may now applaud or something like that and then you make the audience applaud oh, oh i mean yeah it sounds about right what uh, a time of our life that was if you are new to the show uh james and i met whilst working at a rather famous scare attraction in london um and one of the shows uh towards the end of the tour was about Jack Shepard. So James and I have both played this character and have some some reference to him. Like we understand a little bit about him. We know what he's about. Um, but James wasn't actually sure that he was a real person. Um, I think I knew he was a real person, but as like most things in that place, they kind of take the history and just hammer it into the wall a little bit. Yeah. So I thought they'd just taken someone's name and and that was that. But I'm sure we'll find out how much of it was real, how much of it was fake over the next hour or so. Yeah, so let's let's get on with it. Uh, Jack Shepard was actually born John Shepard in 1702 in White's Row, Spitalfields, London. He was named after an older brother that he never met since he died early on. Now, John may have got the name Jack as a nickname being referred to as Jack the Lad, which is, I, I like being called Jack the Lad. It's quite a nice thing. Yeah, yeah. Now, Jack's dad was a carpenter, but unfortunately he died before Jack turned six. So his mother, being a typical stay-at-home mum, before the loss of her husband, became a servant to a man named William Kneebone, who is a draper on the Strand. Uh, For those who don't know, a draper is someone who makes clothes and sells clothes, I think. I believe that to be true. A draper? Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. You drape. Uh, I also find surnames are an interesting thing. I know a lot of pe- uh, I know a few people that have the surname Draper, and I imagine like that's where surnames came from. It used to be your occupation, didn't it? Surnames are fascinating. I had the conversation with a, a bloke at work about this, and we were just going through all of our colleagues' surnames and working out what they did. I obviously mine is K, yeah, and I, I have no I have no no clue. I, I don't know. Um, 
But then you have people like we know a goldsmith, and I think that one's fairly, yeah, like obvious. Um, baker, pretty obvious what that is. Yeah. Um, plumber, I mean, come on now, <laughs> Potter, lot of potters. Yeah. Coal, uh, I imagine something to do with coal. Like it, it's fascinating. Well, your surname could be uh, an adaptation of a, a pre- another word. So, for instance, my dad's surname is Thacker. Which is actually a uh, adaptation of the word Thatcher um, to thatch roofs. Ah, there you are. Yeah, so it comes from there. Um, but yeah, so uh, Jack's mum had to become a servant to this man, this draper called William Kneebone, on the Strand just to make ends meet. Uh, but because she couldn't support an entire family on her own, uh, Jack, being the eldest, was sent to the workhouse, a place where he could be fed and sheltered but had to work all the hours under the sun and into the night. So Jack was actually apprenticed to a carpenter soon after and stayed at it for a year or two before his master died and he was put up with another carpenter who was a bit of a dick, so Jack decided to leave. Now, eventually, by the age of 10, with more work experience than most 20-year-olds, Jack was working as a shop boy with William Kneebone, the same man who his mother was working for as a servant. And William Kneebone was a really nice guy to him. He taught Jack how to read and write, and eventually set him up with another apprenticeship with a carpenter in Covent Garden, where he signed a seven-year indenture contract. It was, of course, unpaid, but he was given food and a place to sleep while he learned the same craft that his dad would likely have taught him had he lived and Jack became quite good at carpentry, so much so that it would help him in his future career. Spoiler alert. Now, age 20... He's a thief. I left left a a massive pause then. (laughs) We do that quite a lot. Yeah, sometimes when I'm editing, but the thing is, right, I need to address this. When we're (laughs) recording, to us, it doesn't sound like that big of a pause, because I think we're just collecting ourselves having a little bit of a think and then going again. But sometimes when I'm editing, I'm just like, where have we gone? <laughs> it's like we've we just out vanish. Of the room. <laughs> it's weird. But I try and edit down as many as I can, but some still remain. It's it's bizarre because some of them are like five seconds. But as we're recording it, I don't feel like we sit here for five seconds in dead silence. It'd be interesting when we actually start recording in person again, because obviously we'll be able to see one another and we'll be able to see when one of us is finished talking and then can just jump yeah. in and whatnot. Of course, I, for think, the last... I think the pauses will go. Yeah, for the last year, obviously, we've been doing this remotely and still are today. So, yeah. Now, age 21 and still an apprentice, Jack was not allowed to actually be out of his master's house at night. His master had the old, you know, that old parent rule of my house, my rules. <laughs> my game, my rule, yeah. Yeah, you know when they always do that? You go, oh, uh, uh, it's my house, my rules. You don't like it, you move out. You're like, I'm 12, I can't go anywhere. I hate that. Now, mm. not that that stopped him, of course, right? Uh, Jack would sneak out and wander the streets, taking in the nightlife, and was always back in his bed by the morning. Now, what was the area of Covent Garden like in the 1720s? Um, James, you've been around Covent Garden, haven't you? I'm familiar with Covent Garden, yeah. I spent quite a bit of time there. Lots of people like Covent Garden. It's a massive tourist trap. And uh, it seems that Covent Garden really wasn't much different in 1702. Uh, it was a busy market shopping area with people hustling on the street, playing music, doing the odd shows. 
it was basically how it is now. It's not really changed that much. Um, it was, however, a smorgasbord of social classes. See, in Covent Garden at the time, and I imagine that in other areas of London, but in particular here, you could find yourself a three-penny upright. Do you know what a three-penny upright is, James? I have no idea. It sounds better than a two-penny upright, though. Uh, well, a three-penny upright is literally a sex worker who for three pennies will have sex upright against the wall in the street. That is better than a two-penny upright, then, because the two-penny one would be a lot worse. <laughs> the three-penny one, at least, it's a bit more bougie. Yeah, the two-penny's so the they, they, You could literally just have sex with someone against a wall and everyone would just be okay with this. Uh, yeah, pretty much, yeah. You just quickly run off into that alley, uh, quickly have sex up against the wall. It's one of those. It's like it's like fast food, but for sex. It's quick and convenient. I hate how the world changes sometimes. I hate it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, interestingly, the uh, rather famous London attraction that James and I both worked at uh, is currently running an STI uh, awareness program. On their social yeah, media, I'm I'm not a fan of the <sighs> post they're putting up at the minute. <laughs> I quite like the renaming of their bar at the end. Oh, that really tickled me. That yeah. did really tickle me. That that was good. Whoever came up with that, kudos. Um, I mean, everyone needs to be have safe sex. People have safe sex. Um, but also, if you want to have sex up against a wall, have sex up against a wall. You only live once. And for three pennies the, the, as well. The the the, lo- the 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 chances of you being alive right now are so slim with all like how the universe has created to like come to this point so just have sex up against a wall you owe it to the universe <laughs> yeah uh oh like we said last week hump whoever you want as long as you got consent they absolutely and they're above the age of 18 apart from that consent 18 crack on excellent so uh as i was saying you could find yourself a three penny upright for a, a couple of seconds or minutes however long you want to do that for or you could find yourself a 250 pounds courtesan to keep you company on a nice feather bed for the night so you could literally be walking past one bloke who's paying three pennies whilst you're on your way to your 250 pound courtesan who's going to now give you a nice bath uh so go on never mind never mind i was about to say something horrific carry on (laughs) i always want to hear the horrific stuff and i know the that's sex stuff. is sex, isn't it? Against a wall and a bed, who cares? Yeah. The end game is still the same. Yeah, yeah I mean, uh, it, it, it's, it's a complicated one, isn't it? It's like, why would you pay a lot of money if you know it's not going to be worth your time? Sometimes. But- <laughs> <laughs> I, had a, I had a fantastic conversation at work the other day at lunch, just about, like, I don't know how we got into it. It was like, half the room was lads, half the room was... Uh, women and we were just talking about what we like and just helping each other out giving each other tips and stuff and i made the declaration that hand jobs are pointless and i'll tell you for why they're pointless because women i'm going to tell you now you giving a hand job to a bloke he can do it better than you can he's had decades of experience (laughs) like it's point it's pointless it's futile yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> Do you know what though? It, it it works the flip side for ladies as well. Oh yeah, for sure, a hundred percent. Yeah. Like no one wants to be like jabbed with a pencil or anything like that. You you know what you like. Mm. And that's why we need to have open conversations about it. Help your partner out if you don't like something. Tell them if you want something more. Tell them. Oh, it's all about the healthy sex. Excellent. So yeah, uh, Covent Garden, bit of a smorgasbord of the social classes. You could get a bit of everything. You could see rich people and poor people. And it was also the heart of the underworld, and in particular, one place called the Black Lion Inn. 
on Drury Lane. It was a pub that was home to criminals and sex workers touting for business. And apparently, you could get yourself absolutely smashed on gin for tuppence, which is two pennies. Ba- Ooh, basically, cheap night out. Yeah, basically, it was the hole in the wall at Waterloo. It was just full of absolute cretins. Hey, <laughs> I used to spend every single night there. Uh, yeah. And those drinks were not tuppence. They were... They were- more than threepence. They're very pricey. Yeah, you could get several three-penny uprights for one drink in the hole. You you could. A lot went on in that place. <laughs> if anyone here happens to be around the Waterloo area in London, do feel free to check out the hole in the wall. That's where James and go to the frequent. smoking area, and you'll you'll see where I just sat many many nights just <laughs> sinking pints with good friends i miss those days it's the most appropriately named pub i think i've ever come across it's just a hole in it's the literally fucking a wall. hole in the wall yeah now in the black line in pub uh, jack met a woman called Eliz- elizabeth lyon or as she's commonly known as edgeworth bess do you remember edgeworth bess no way yeah edgeworth bess oh, is it's real. all coming oh yeah, because that was the uh, the women's script for it. Yes, so uh, it, you know, at, at Le Famous Attraction, uh, the guys would play Jack Shepard and the girls would play his uh, lovely girlfriend Edgeworth Bess, and they'd be like, "I am Edgeworth Bess," and it's uh, sometimes a bit cringy. Um, but yeah, he met Edgeworth Bess at the Black Lion Inn. Now we hardly know anything about her in reality, uh, but what we know was that she was called a buttock and file. Would you have any idea what a buttock and file may be? The word buttock to me means ass. Yep, yep, yep. And to file can either like file something down or file as in store it away somewhere. Do you know what? You 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 kind of along the right lines here. Uh, she was a buttock and file, and a uh, which is a sex worker who would steal your wallet during the process. Oh, okay. Yeah, and uh, yeah, Jack was absolutely besotted by her. Uh, maybe it was her buxom breasts or her bad girl image. There is a theory that Bess was kind of using Jack as a meal ticket or a regular bed for the night, but there's not really anything to sort of prove that. But Jack would do anything for Bess. Like most young lads who fancy a girl, they want to impress her and they will do silly things to win their affection. And Jack was no different. Between 1700 and 1725... Nearly half of all those hanged at Tyburn were apprentices, and that is no coincidence. Since they were paid fuck all for their long hours, many apprentices actually began to steal from their masters or other places to pick up some extra cash, and Jack was no different. Possibly to impress Bess with cash made from stolen goods, Jack stole two silver spoons from a tavern that he was doing a delivery for and now it would have been a heart racing moment for him considering the consequences but he got away with it and after selling his stolen goods jack decided to go and up himself and began stealing goods from houses that he was working on so jack went on and stole things such as 14 pounds worth of goods randomly from homes uh, which is a lot of money back then it's quite a lot of stuff he's nicking uh, he mm. nicked money from purses that were just sitting on counters uh, and in particular at one point 24 yards of cloth which seems really random but oh that's a lot of cloth it's a lot of cloth and also when you think about it you could sell that to a draper for you know a nifty quid now with cash in his pocket he quit his apprenticeship with only two years left before he would be 
quotes, qualified. Uh, he still did odd jobs as a freelancer, uh, but there really wasn't much money in it. Uh, interestingly, Jack Shepard made more money in one month from thieving than a carpenter would make in an, an entire year. Who says crime doesn't pay? Who says it doesn't pay? Do you know who says that? People that don't do crime and want you to stop the thieving. The fucking police. Yeah. They're just people that can't do it properly. Bloody, bloody, I don't know what the, I was about to just <laughs> shit on the police, you bloody <laughs> narcs. Coming around here telling us what we kind of can't do. Yeah, how dare they keep the social order. Fuck the social order. Let's start a fire. Yeah, go listen to our Karl Marx episode. <laughs> <laughs> Now, because of this, Jack and Bess moved to Piccadilly in their own place as, quote, husband and wife, living off the cash he made from petty crime and his freelance work helping him out too. Picture this. Try today, James, in 2021, with your, your other half moving into a flat in Piccadilly Circus. Um, you can't. Yeah. Unless you are a millionaire. Like, that's ridiculous. Yeah, but you could back then. Like, I mean, obviously Piccadilly Circus probably wasn't what it is is now, obviously. But, yeah, imagine living in Piccadilly I mean, all of London's just fucking expensive. If you're looking at buying or renting in London, my advice is don't. rent, (laughs) Buy or rent somewhere outside of London and then commute in. Absolutely. Yeah, that's the best way to do it. So much cheaper out of it. People get priced out of London. It's too expensive. It's fucking ridiculous. I'm about to go and run it. And here's why that like all this hs2 bullshit if you don't know what hs2 is we're in england we're getting this fancy new train woo that will like link all the country together and get you to london quicker we're spending billions of pounds on this fucking train why don't they just invest invest that billions of pounds into other cities so people don't feel the need to move to fucking london the rest of the country exists invest in it that's a really good that's a really good argument i completely it pisses agree with me you. off man it's pointless Fuck London. I mean, I love London. I'm going to move back, but fuck London. So, James, when you said don't buy or rent in London, you're like, I'm going to move back to London. Oh, I'm 100% going to move back to London. But I'll tell you for why. It's because that's where all my friends are as well. Like, it's where I belong. It's where I feel at home. But if you don't want to move to London, don't. The the streets are not paved with gold. Like, that place can cripple you very quickly. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah. Now, Jack absolutely lavished Bess with gifts, uh, and he wanted her to have the good life. That meant continuing his business of crime, and business was booming. The 18th century was a time when people began to start buying things they didn't necessarily need. Before then, you would only own the stuff you needed to get on in life. Say, like, I know, I only need so many uh, bowls, I only need so many spoons, I only need this many glasses, and all that kind of stuff. Now, people are buying more stuff than they need. They've got more possessions, and that means more things that can be forgotten about or put away in a drawer, which means more things can be stolen. Uh, And Jack, with his carpentry skill, uh, was pretty nifty at nicking all this shit. Now, if he lived next door to Bilbo Baggins when the dwarves came looking for a thief, it would have (laughs) been... It would have been his door they came knocking on, not Bilbo's. See, Jack knew all the types of wood that windows and doors in London were being made out of, and he knew what weaknesses they had, he knew how to fix the locks, he knew how to make them, he knew how to break them. Uh, So Jack was like a walking expert at thieving. Literally, there could not have been a person more qualified to thieve than Jack. But with more theft... He was a top thiever. Thiever? Thefter. Thefter. Robber. Robber. There we go. Robber. Burglarer. 
burglar. Burglar. I, I think they use that in the Hobbit. Burglar. Burglar. That's it. Yeah, he's a top burglar. Better than Bilbo. Bilbo isn't a burglar. It's such a random thing. They went, let's just pick someone who has no experience with crime. They uh, just needed someone small. They just wanted a hobbit. They were like, oh, hobbits are small. We'll just grab him. It's like, well, yeah. you haven't really done much homework because he's not that good at it. <laughs> he really isn't. Uh, but with more theft came the, quote, thief takers. They're basically bounty hunters. See, there wasn't police in the 1720s. The Met, the London Metropolitan Police, wouldn't be formed for another hundred years. Instead, they had thief takers, and the thief taker general was an absolute piece of shit called Jonathan Wild. Uh, I don't know if this is helpful for James to, as to why he's a piece of shit, but it turns out he was born in Wolverhampton, which I assume is not. Oh, you piece of shit! Yeah, thought that might have been the case. <laughs> See, uh, he was a businessman of lowly birth with high aspirations, and being a thief catcher was good business. It turns out, for every criminal brought to the gallows, you could expect to be paid £40, which is about £6,000 in today's money, which is a lot of fucking money. Mm. Uh, Now, the only problem is, thieves are actually quite hard to catch, but not when all the thieves in the area work for you. Yeah. See, Jonathan Wilde's business interests were not all above board. He owned almost all the fences in the area. Fences being areas where you can sell stolen goods and whatnot. They ask no questions, Mm. that kind of shit. He owned all of the fences in the area. So any thief that was looking to sell their stolen goods quickly became known to Jonathan Wilde, who then gave them basically a business proposition. He would say, uh, I'll give you a smaller cut of the goods... Uh, and I will allow you to continue to operate in the area. And he would then go and sell off the goods uh, at an inflated price, and that's how he sort of made his money. And if a thief didn't like it or tried to undercut him, well, maybe a cheeky £40 could be made by sending them to the gallows. So you really didn't have any sort of foot leg to stand on when it came to this guy, if you were a thief. And when he got hold of... Well, when he got wind, sorry, of a young Jack the Lad successfully thieving in the area who didn't yet work for him, Wilde decided he would make Jack the same business proposition he gave every thief in the area. Keep thieving, but give a cut of your money over. But Jack declined. He wasn't interested in making money for someone else. He'd spent his whole life doing it, and that was as an apprentice. He weren't going to do it anymore. So he was like, nah, you can get fucked, lad. (laughs) But good on him. But, unfortunately, without the protection from Wild, 22-year-old Jack was free game for the thief-takers. A guy called James Sykes, who I don't understand how he got this nickname, but his nickname was Helen Fury. That's, that's two separate words. Hell and Fury. Hell and Fury. His name's James Hell and Fury Sykes. How, who gets two Ooh. separate words as a nickname? I don't know. It's quite cool, though. I mean, it's cool, but you don't just shout, hey, Helen Fury, and you go, yep. I don't get it. Anyway, James Helen Fury Sykes lured Jack to a pub in Seven Dials for a game of Skittles. Unfortunately, it was a trap. Sykes walked out the room and when he returned, he brought a constable from the parish and Jack was captured for the first time and locked up in St Giles Roundhouse, which was a low-level security lockup in Soho. He was confined in the upper level, two stories up. All he had on him was a pocket knife. Now, like all other apprentices turned thief, 
Jack knew his final destination would be the gallows, despite it only being his first offence. So, using his pocket knife, he cut his way through the timber roof and used a mattress of his bed to muffle the sound of debris hitting the floor. This is the the thing where, like, Jack is really fucking clever, as a carpenter anyway. He knew what kind of wood it was, he knew where his bat had its weakness, and he just had a way at it, which is really cool. Now, when he managed to get himself out and onto the roof, he saw that although he'd muffled the noise in his cell, he hadn't muffled the noise coming out of the prison, and people had actually started to gather around outside at the noise. So, using his bedsheets, he climbed down the building where he couldn't be seen. He then ran into the crowd and started looking up at the ceiling as well and going, look, 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 there's someone trying to get out. Look, there he goes, there he goes. And everyone's now going, where, where, where? And once they're looking there, Jack just fucked off. He just walked. That is clever, create a diversion. How clever is that? He's so cool. He's 22 at this age by that that point. I wasn't doing anything like this at 22. No, I was not that clever at 22. And do you want to know how long he spent in prison? How long? Three hours. That's all it took. Bloody hell. Yeah, yeah. Three I mean, hours. Say this, I think when I was 22 is when I was being Jack Shepherd. So it's quite nice. Ah, oh, that's quite nice. Yeah. <laughs> and you break out in the show, which is cool. Yeah, you do. In a very funky way. Yeah, it's pretty clever. And you're like, come on, everyone, go. Run. Get out of here. I loved it. And you don't run. You just stand there. Oh it's, oh, it's one of the most infuriating things. Honestly, if you ever go to these attractions, if you're one of these people that goes to that attraction, just do what the, like, the actor wants them to do because it's like it makes their job so much harder if you just don't do it. And we're like, I think it applies for any scary attraction with actors and stuff. The chances are they're pissed off and don't really want to be there. Just, just help them out. Help them out, man. Like if they talk to you, just talk back to them. Like they just, they want to just make their day a bit better. So when I go, come on, hey, come everyone, quick, quick, run, run, I have a bit of like you know energy about you. Come on. Yeah, I agree, Hulk, completely. You know, I'm about to do fucking six more of these in the next hour. <laughs> so it used to bother me. I was like, oh, fuck me, I've got ten shows to do in this hour. The first one was dog shit already. The audience just gave me nothing. Oh, great. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> when it, you managed to... Sorry, where was I? Oh, yeah. So Jack had actually only managed to spend three hours in jail before breaking out, but he wouldn't stay out of prison for long. In fact, a matter of weeks later, Jack was walking past Leicester Fields. Can you guess where that might be now? Leicester Field? Yeah. Is that Leicester Square? Oh, it certainly is, sir. It is today's oh, Leicester Square, when he saw two people fighting over a pocket watch. Seeing an opportunity, Jack ran up to the couple and stole the watch right from underneath them. He was soon arrested and held overnight in another lockup called St Anne's Roundhouse in Soho, and his beloved Bess came to see him the next day. Oh, She'd cute. actually, yeah, it's quite cute. Um, she tried to smuggle in a file for uh, the bars, but unfortunately, she was caught. And because she was trying to get someone broken out, she then also got put in prison. Uh, luckily. <laughs> Luckily, it turns out the rules back then were a bit different to they are now. Because she was his, quote, wife, um, they were allowed to be put in the same cell, which is bizarre. Oh, so they can bang. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. They can do their free penny upright, but for free. <laughs> um, but yeah, because um, she was his wife, they were placed in the same cell together at New Prison in Clerkenwall. Not wishing to stay long, though, Jack made his escape. The windows to the cell were covered over with a thick oak beam, but being a carpenter... Jack knew the weaknesses and managed to break them free from the window 
and being a rather slender man, he could squeeze through the bars. But, unfortunately, Jack had old Bucks and Bess with him, who couldn't exactly squeeze through the bars the same way. So, Jack managed to break through the bar and used his bedsheets to get him and Bess down the wall. They abseiled down the wall with Bess on his back, because it turns out... um, Jack Shepard was actually quite a small man, like five foot five or something like that. He was oh, he was quite tiny. Yeah, he was quite small, but apparently he was super strong, and that's obviously because because of his carpentry background. He was just really uh, strong, yeah, small and beefy. We all know them. Yeah, and um, for this, he used his bed sheets, and he also used um, uh, Edgeworth Bess's clothes. He was like, "Babe, take your dress off. I need it." <laughs> what? I need a dress. Oh, <laughs> uh, so, okay. And he's like, "Trust me, I've done this before. Give me a dress." I think that's so fucking cool. Um, but yeah, so they abseiled down the wall of the prison, um, and then they made it to the ground. However, there was a slight problem. Um, when they got to the ground, they were like, "Hold on a minute, uh, where this isn't the street." No, it wasn't the street. Uh, they've managed to abseil down to the prison next door called Bridewell Prison. <laughs> there was literally one right next door and they'd abseiled into it. So they broke out of one prison and broke into another. <laughs> well, that's just very silly. Yeah, I mean, that's like something you see on Monty Python or something. It's a skit, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the only thing between them now and uh, Freedom was a 20-foot iron door, which, of course, they climbed uh, and they absolutely legged it. So they made it out of that one. Now, having escaped from two prisons, Jack was beginning to make a name for himself in the criminal world. People wanted to work with him to reap the benefits of his loot. And thief-taker Jonathan Wilde was also impressed with Jack and his abilities. And so, once again, gave him the benefit of the doubt and gave him the same business proposition he gave him before. But, can you guess, Jack was having none of it. Instead, he made acquaintances with a guy called Joseph Blake, whose nickname was blue skin. No idea why. Blue skin? Yep, blue skin. Joseph Blue Skin Blake. Maybe he was just really pale or something. Maybe, yeah. If he gets cold in the winter, his skin goes a bit blue. Possibly. But um, making friends with Blue Skin Blake was a bit of a shrewd move. You see, Blue Skin Blake and the Thief Taker, they were not pals. Not at all. Blue Skin had a scar across his face, thanks to Jonathan Wilde. Now, choosing to be mates with Blueskin Blake was a direct affront to Jonathan Wilde from Jack. So he's like, he's making moves. He's like, listen, lad, like, you can fuck right off. I'm making moves here. <laughs> I'm thieving. This is my area. And he's like, listen, no, I've got my thief takers. I'm going to get you. He's like, yeah, you got to try and catch me, mate. Throwing his fucking fingers up. Hey, lad. <laughs> <laughs> um, on that, when I said that um, Jonathan Wilde was a piece of shit, Obviously, um, Blueskin Blake's got a scar over his face from an an altercation that he had with Jonathan Wilde, right? It turns out Jonathan Wilde's wife, they'd had an argument once, so Jonathan Wilde cut off her ear to mark her as a prostitute in anger. Bloody hell. Yeah, what a knob. Christ, that's intense. Isn't it? That's proper mad. Because as well, like, you know that he was definitely, like, had women on the side as well so it's like yeah for sure you know one rule for these men a lot can happen in three years like a chatbot maybe your new best friend 
But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Uh, now, the pair tried their hand at, as highwaymen, but Jack not actually being a violent man, um, it turns out they weren't very good at it, so they, they quit that pretty sharpish. You just imagine, like... Uh, give me all your money, your money, all your life, all that kind of stuff. And they're like, um, <laughs> "Do you know what? I think, I think we're gonna take. I think no, I think I'm gonna take my money and go." And they're like, "Okay, yeah, fair enough." <laughs> yeah, can't do anything about it. <laughs> yeah, you're like, "Oh, what do we do now?" And he said, "No." <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> so instead, uh, Jack and Blueskin Blake they went back to thieving, and Jack knew of a great place. Jack was going to rob the man who taught him how to read and write and the man who gave his mother a job, Jack was going to rob William Kneebone, the draper, which I think is a bit bad, isn't it? You're shitting on your own doorstep. Yeah, it's kind of come full circle a little bit. Yeah. Now, when they sold their stolen goods that they'd managed to get from William Kneebone at a fence, the thief-taker, Jonathan Wilde, of course, who owns all the fences in the area, knew that Jack is still operating in his backyard. And would you believe he was rather pissed off that Jack was still continuing to operate without his permission. Mm. You know, you think about it, he's mugging him off. He's proper, he's like, I've told you twice, you're not to work in my area, I'll fucking get you. And he's like, I don't gear toss, mate, fuck off. So Jonathan Wilde plied Jack's other half Bess with enough drink that she eventually outed the whereabouts of Jack, who for a third time was captured and placed in the now famous Newgate Prison. Newgate Prison. Newgate Prison. Also, can we just point out that it didn't take much for Bess to just like rat out her husband. She was like, she got so drunk, was like, yeah, he's over there. Not fair. Yeah, criminals aren't the brightest, are they? No, in it. Now, what is it they say? No honor amongst thieves. That's probably where it comes from. Oh yeah, true. Good. Now, that should be the end of Jack's story, right? He's in Newgate Prison. We've all heard of Newgate Mm -hmm. Prison. It's one of the most famous prisons in history of London other than the Tower of London of course but that was like a jail I suppose isn't it it's not a prison it's a castle that was more high profile people yeah like Anne Boleyn and whatnot. anyway yeah. Newgate Prison was let's be honest no small lock up this was the most imposing prison in London people don't escape from this place especially when Jack had been on trial been found guilty and been sentenced to death right so Jack spent his days um, at the bars of his window talking to people. It turns out people were really keen to come see this like twice escaped prisoner. They were like, "Oh, that's so cool! How did you do it?" And he'd just be standing at the bars, being like, "Ah, you know, it's easy, wasn't it?" Like, you know, he actually was quite enjoying it. Um, now, Bess, in the meantime, possibly in an attempt to try and make up for getting him captured, actually came to visit Jack with a friend of hers. Um, they actually brought with them a disguise. Do you remember this from the show? 
The disguise. Oh, you put the hat on someone. That's it, yeah. So here's how the plan went. When Bess came with her friend with their ladies' clothes and in a, you know, with a disguise on them, they'd go to Jack, go see him. Whilst uh, one of the friends distracted the guards, Jack then got changed into his disguise of ladies' clothing that the girls had brought. He loosened and squeezed through his bars that he'd been working on whilst visitors were coming to speak to him. They'll be like, oh, Jack. You're so cool. How did you get out of prison? And he's just fucking working at the bars, being like, ah, oh, you know, it was easy, wasn't it? It was easy, right? <laughs> um, he's been working away at this. He then gets in his dress, he squeezes through the bars, and they're like similar clothing to the friend of Bessie's. And then they walk past the guard, being like, thank you, bye, see you later, toodaloo, doing the whole like, you know, hee 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 hee, Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then about five minutes later, Bess's friend, who she initially came in with, she walks past the guard as well, being like, thank you, bye. And then the guard's like, hang on a minute, I've just seen her. She's just walked past like 10 minutes ago. And then he goes back to the cell and he's like, fuck, he's gone. How cool is that? <laughs> it's like it's like something from Ocean's Eleven. Yeah, the heist, proper heist. That's a proper heist. That's so cool. In like 1720-something, it's a heist. Mm. It's so cool. Like Jack is now... In a time where, like, the only sort of real people that dressed as ladies back then were actors. And Jack's like, nah, mate, I ain't afraid to get in a dress. <laughs> I love that. That's saving your life. You'd save your life, you do anything. Oh, it's so cool. He literally just got dressed up as a lady and just simply just walked past his guard with his wife in hand. <laughs> That's so cool. That's like a baller move, isn't it? So, Jack's escape from the infamous Newgate prison made it to the papers. Would you believe it or not? He was a working-class celebrity. And uh, actually, it's kind of... Some people have come out and said he's one of the first ever celebrities. Really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's someone that, like, wasn't famous for anything other than just kind of being himself. Mm. Uh, and, That's quite cool. And people were just interested in his life rather than him just being a wealthy man that people just are aware of, like a lord or something. He's just a no one from nowhere that people just know of. He's basically a celebrity. The original Kardashian. He's, yeah, yeah, he's kind of like an original... Uh, uh, reality TV star in a way <laughs> reality star no TV now you could almost think of him as maybe like I don't know the 18th century Robin Hood minus the stealing from the rich to give to the poor more stealing from anyone to give to himself so maybe not like Robin Hood then <laughs> uh, but he was sticking it to the man by escaping from prisons he was by all accounts handsome and didn't commit any acts of violence for his crimes. So it turns out people were kind of getting on board with him and actually began to root for him. They were like, well, yeah, fair enough, but he's not, like, hurting anyone, you know, and he's just mugging off the lords and whatnot. So, fuck it. Yeah, go for it, mate. It's the only thing I can kind of think of. You know how, like, uh, well, maybe not in your area of the country, but in my area of the country, you get a lot of, like, OAPs talking about the Cray Twins, with such nostalgia. Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah, I get what you mean. I've heard a lot of older people being like, oh, yeah, the East End was much better when the craze were running around. And you're like, was it though? Or were they breaking people's legs and threatening people? And it's like, yeah, no, nah, but you could leave your front door open, innit? It's like, ah, uh, <laughs> good point. People have a weird mindset around gangs and gangsters and stuff. Like, they idolise them. I know in Birmingham we idolise the Peaky Blinders. It's just weird. Oh, yeah. Like, these people were thugs, they were violent. Yeah, yeah, they look cool, and we've like I think we've bigged them up too much in modern media. 
Well, it's the, they were not nice people. I suppose it's um, the modern day equivalent of pirates. You know how like we had this fantasy with pirates for a while, and actually you think about it, pirates are some of them quite well. We done we've done an episode on Blackbeard. They can be dicks. Yeah, not nice people. No, not nice people. And we sort of we romanticised gangs now with like the Peaky Blinders and the Cray Twins with the film Legend with Tom Hardy. Mm. Um, yes, yeah, so some of these people were like not nice people completely at all. Um, but yeah, um, these people were beginning to root for Jack Shepard. Uh, now, Jack decided that he needed to lie low for a while. I mean, he's broken out of the most, the biggest prison in London and people are now talking about him. So he needed to lay low. Um, and supposedly, he left London for a few days, hoping for things to die down. There's um, a rumour that he actually went to Northampton, which is a town where I went to university for a couple of days. Um, <laughs> I didn't go to university for a couple of days. Jack went to Northampton for a couple of days. I went for three years and it was... <laughs> awful anyway <laughs> um but yeah he underestimated how pissed off jonathan wilde the thief taker would be at being made to look like a mug time and time again bear in mind as well um on the first and third occasion now uh jack's only in prison because jonathan wilde basically put him there and jack's got out twice now on those occasions and he's like that's fucking six grand that I'm losing out on here because he should have been hung and I'm not lo- I'm not making any money here. He's mugging me off. Now, when Jack returned to London, it didn't actually take long for Jonathan Wilde's men to find him and send him right back to Newgate. Now, this is the weird bit. You'd think that a three-time escapee would be treated with more security, right? But no, he was caught twice with files on his person filing down the bars and other occasions he was caught with tools uh, on his person that he needed to escape the prisons. Um, and you'd think, how the fuck's he getting them? Um, these were given to him by visitors that were really keen to see him. They were like, they've heard of this... Fa-. They don't learn, do they? No, they don't, right? Um, so all these like people come in to see this famous bloke who keeps escaping from prisons, and they're like, yeah, Jack, Jack, yeah, have this, lad, have this, see if you can get out using this. And he's like, oh, thanks very much, mate, thanks very much. And he's got a fucking old tool kit under his bed. It's fucking brilliant. Um, So, yeah, to stop him, Jack was transferred to, uh, quote, the castle, which is a strong room on the third floor of Newgate Prison. Not only were his hands in cuffs, but his legs were also clapped in irons too and chained to the floor. Now, why he does this next thing, I don't know. Maybe he's feeling his celebrity at this point, but when Jack's been put in his chains and irons... He actually says to the guards, he's like, hey lads, these bonds you've put on me, these are shit. They ain't going to hold me for five minutes. And they're like, what are you talking about? We've wrapped you up in fucking so many, like, ah, what are you talking about? And he's like, look, and he breaks himself out of his chains in front of them. Why would he not wait? I know. This is why I, I don't get why he didn't. And I, I can only assume that he's just feeling his celebrity. He thinks he's cool. Yeah, yeah, probably. And he's, uh, he just breaks out of his chains in front of the guards. And they're like, huh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, uh, Can we go get some more chains, please? <laughs> and <then> he... <laughs> um, uh, so the guards' answer to that was to put him in even more chains. Uh, and they made them all really tight so that he couldn't even move. And it still didn't work. Um, you see, elsewhere in the prison, Jack's mate, Blueskin Blake... Jack had actually, uh, Blueskin Blake had actually been caught by the thief taker Jonathan Wild, uh, and he was put on trial. Now Jonathan Wild was present, uh, and he was like p- 
part of the he was like um what's the word he'd given evidence and that sort of witness statements and all that kind of shite uh, it mm. turns out that um court proceedings back then were like 30 minutes Whereas like now, if you went to court, it could be months. You've got to give evidence. Yeah. You've got to have counter evidence. Back then, it was literally thirty minutes. Being like, "Who's that? Uh, this this guy's called Blueskin Blake. What's his problem? He's been thieving. Okay, what's the evidence to say it? This man here says that he saw him do it. Okay, did you? Yes, I saw him do it. All right, cool. All right, hang him. Done. Mad. It's <laughs> totally mad because you might not even be the person. It just looks like the person that you thought you saw. It's it's bizarre how it used to work back then. Um, now, Blueskin actually pleaded to Jonathan Wilde to have mercy on him. Um, he was like, look, I know we've had beef before in the in the past, but please change my plea. Like, I don't... Like, change it from the death penalty to transportation to the Americas. Um, because you know how we always take the mickey out of Australians because we always say that we sent our criminals to Australia? Yeah. Turns out we used to do it to America as well. Oh, shit. Yeah. Apparently we did it to America before, obviously, this is 1720s, so before I think we've even got to Australia, we were sending our criminals to America as well, which probably explains uh, the sort of Midwest area, I would have thought. Yeah, it explains a lot. <laughs> um, but yeah, so he was like, please, can you change my death penalty to transportation to the Americas? I will never come back to the UK that, ever again. Um, but Jonathan Wilde was feeling like being a bit of a dick that day, and he was like, no, fuck you. Um, so in return, Blueskin pulled a knife out of his pocket and slashed his throat in front of the judge. Well, shit. Yeah. Fucking hell, fair play. Now, yeah, fair play. That's really cool and all. I'm glad you got your own back. However, does no one search anyone? <laughs> like, how Everyone has so many tools. Do you know what I mean? Like, Jack Shepard's walking into prison with fucking files in his pocket and pocket knives and everything, <laughs> not using them at any point, and he's like, cheers, lads, I'll see you in five minutes. This guy's walking into court with a fucking knife in his pocket. <laughs> it's mad. <laughs> now, because Jonathan Wilde had his throat slashed in the whole courtroom and is going fucking ballistic, this courtroom's actually, like, right next door, kind of in the prison of Newgate, and, you know... Like you've seen on films or documentaries, you see like when prisoners go a bit fucking balmy, the whole prison like goes mad. Everyone's like going, "Ah, fucking hell!" Rah. Like they're all screaming. They're all like a bit of excitement. Um, this happened at Newgate, and in the confusion that was all going around, um, Jack made his move. He was like, "Now nah, fuck this! This is my opportunity." So Jack, you know, like Houdini, wiggled out of his handcuffs and chains, um, except for the chains around his feet. Um, he managed to like break the actual chain around his feet, but he couldn't get the um, you know, like the big metal like bit that goes oh, around the, the ankle. Yeah, the shackle bit goes around the ankle. He couldn't get mm-hmm. that bit off, but that was something he was like, I don't need to get that off. I just need to break the chain so I can run. So he broke yeah. he broke that, and then he was like, right, now's my time to get out. So he goes to the chimney. This bit's fucking great. I, honestly, I I was watching a documentary on this bit, and I was like, wow, this is so cool. So we'll go through it. So he's broken himself out of his chains. He goes to the chimney, because apparently there are chimneys in prisons in, in your cell, because, you know, that's your way out. Um, he goes to the chimney, and he starts to climb the chimney, thinking, brilliant, let's go straight to the roof. Excellent, I've been through the roof before, that's fine. However, Newgate Prison had thought about this, so they put an iron bar in the chimney up the fucking, like, up, halfway up, so that you couldn't climb out. 
So Jack's like, ah, oh, shit. Um, but I don't know how, because he's so bloody clever, and he knows sort of, he's really good at, like, you know, locks and wood and just sort of how things get put together. He managed to, like, wiggle it and break it, prize it off the wall and broke the bar so he could keep climbing up, which is really cool. Now, he kept climbing, and he got to the top floor. Now, at the top floor, it's dark, right? There's not many people, not many things going around here. But what there is, is a maze of locked doors. Like, Jack has no fucking clue where he is or how to get out. All he sees is doors, and half of them are locked. So, he tries the ones that are open, obviously no luck. So, he actually has to keep breaking through doors. And he's locked picking. This is the bit that he gets me. Jack picks the lock of six different doors on his way out trying to break out of a prison. That's, like, how ballsy is that? He's in a prison. Six, I mean, I don't, he's a very talented man. He's honest. Right, James, I get a sweat when I'm trying to pick a lock on Skyrim and I've only got two, like, <laughs> I've got two picks left and I'm like, fuck, yeah. fuck. And you get that little, your analog stick starts shaking because you think you've got mm. it and then it goes tink and it breaks and I just scream. Oh, and I've got I've got like everyone from Winterhold fucking chasing me because I've stabbed one person on the market. It's not good. Jack's doing this in the middle of like a bit of a prison riot, and he's like, "I've got to get out, mate," because obviously he's he's facing the gallows. He's gonna get hung. Mm. So yeah, he picks the lock of six doors on his escape, right? Uh, and he actually manages to get himself onto the roof by this point of the prison. And this is where he comes across a problem. Obviously. How do you get off the roof? Now, yeah, it's a bit high up, I imagine. It's a bit high up. It, in fact, the fall was about sixty foot. Mm. Um, You're not surviving that. Yeah, exactly. So if the fall wasn't going to kill him, his metal clasps that were around his ankles, remember? Um, if the fa- oh yes, if the fall didn't kill him, the metal clasps around his ankles would definitely have broken his legs. Yeah. So he had to then, you know, figure out how the fuck do I get down um, he's going to have to abseil like he's done before the only problem with that is his bed sheets are back in his cell ah. so <laughs> the only thing he's got left to do because he's like it's either go or not he goes back through the prison he goes back through the six doors that he'd broken the locks of all he climbed back down the chimney to go grab all of his bed sheets and then he did the whole thing again he went right back up the chimney <laughs> right back through all six of those doors right back to the roof so that he could make himself a little fucking makeshift rope so that he could then abseil down the chi- uh, down the, uh, uh, the the prison <laughs> how cool is that like honestly the just sheer work that evening they just deserve to let him go now. He's put the effort in. He deserves it. That's what I mean. It's one of those, it's like, how badly do you want to live? And you're like, this badly. And you're like, okay, fair enough then. You can go to America. Why not? <laughs> um, so, yeah, he abseiled down the prison walls. Uh, and he actually just landed on the house uh, that was kind of like next to the prison. Um, so Jack broke through the roof and simply walked out the house like nothing had happened. Uh, Jack hid in a cow shed for a time. Now, when the owner of the cow shed saw a man just sort of hanging out in his cow shed, being like, what are you doing, lad? He, was like, he comes out and he's got broken chains around his legs. And he was like, it's obvious that he's an escapee. Like, he knows where he's come from. Mm. But Jack was like, um, oh, hi. Uh, don't worry. It's nothing bad. Um, I broke out of prison. I was only in prison because I've I've not been paying child support, and so they put me in prison. And apparently, that's an actual Aww. thing. 
Um, so, okay. so he was like, look, I've, I've been neglecting to pay this child support. I swear the kid ain't mine. That's why I don't pay for it. Properly like Jeremy Kyle stuff. He was like, it's not mine. I'm mm. telling you now, it's not mine. It's a bastard. It's someone else's, blah, blah, blah. That's why I'm not paying it. But they put me in prison. I need to get out. Can you please help me? Can you get these chains off me? And the bloke was like, nah, I'm not having it, mate. Like, fuck off. So he's like, all right, fine. So Jack walks off. And he actually spends the next couple of days wandering around looking for someone to help him get the chains off. And when he does come across one mm. bloke who's like, tells him the same story, he probably sees right through. He's like, nah, get fucked. I know you. Give over, lad. Yeah, are oh, yeah. You're not. Um, I'll tell you what, <laughs> I'll do it, but you pay me 20 shillings. So yeah, he charged him 20 shillings for it and Jack paid it. So Jack was free for two weeks. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, two weeks later it's literally two fucking weeks later he can't help himself um jack broke into a pawnbroker's at night and left and this is cool man he left in a fancy black suit with a gold watch a tie wig you know like those little white wigs with a fancy black bow around mm-hmm. the bottom of it mm-hmm. he left in a fancy black suit with a gold watch he's got a tie wig he nicked a sword that he had around his waist as well which is great uh, and he and he nicked a diamond ring that he put on his finger. He's just like, do you know what? I'm gonna have a good night tonight. I'm just gonna dress up like fuck and just enjoy it. <laughs> I, I, I respect that. Do you know what I mean? Uh, so Jack dressed up in his, you know, stolen finery, uh, spent the night drinking and socialising with anyone and everyone before the landlord he was at uh, the pub. The landlord of the pub that he was at recognised him and then reported on him. And would you believe it, Jack was back in Newgate Prison. Held down... What a snitch. Yeah, I know. Uh, but this time, he's held down by 300 pounds of chains and weights. And now, he's also under constant supervision by a guard. It's only taken three bloody attempts for them to get to the point where they're like, oh yeah, we should probably keep an eye on this one, he's slippery. Just let the man go, he's earned it. Yeah, I know, right? Um uh, this is the interesting bit, right? The guards were absolutely loving having Jack in their cell uh, because, again, people want to come see Jack. And these guards are like, hey, listen, if you want to see him, you've got to cough up. And people are paying. People are giving him money, being like, oh, can we have five minutes with him? Yeah, of can, of can. Cough up, give him a bit of money, and um, you want to go see him. Which Business adventure. Yeah, so they were like, oh, Jack, Jack mate. Hurry up and break out so then you come back and we'll keep doing this whole cycle. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, that wasn't necessarily to be. Um, Jack uh, had people that were coming to see him petitioning the king, which was George I at the time. Um, they were petitioning the king being like, like, come on, can we let this guy off? Can we give him a reprieve? Like, Can we have him pardoned or whatnot and not sentenced to death? Um in fact, the king, his own portrait artist, came to draw Jack in his cell, which is really cool, to go give to the king. He was like, oh, look, this is that dude they're talking about. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, this guy's a celebrity. Even the king knows who this guy is, like just some lowly fuck from East End who's just thieving. Mm. Even the king knows who he is. Um, now, interestingly, um, although the king had been petitioned, being like, can we spare him, please? He was like, look, I've got to still uphold the law. He still has to go to trial. Um, but here's the option, right? So Jack and his trial was given the option of avoiding the noose if he informed on all of his associates. 
Oh. Yeah, I know. It's one of those, isn't it? It's like, give up your friends and you can live. But, um, yeah, Jack was not having any of it, mate. He dismissed it and was like, nah, I'm not ratting out no one. Not doing it, mate. Not ratting out Bess. I'm not ratting out any of my friends. I'm just, no, I'll take my punishment, mate. Because, do you know what? He, he genuinely thought he'd just escape. He was like, you can't, <laughs> you can't hold me. I'm not giving you anything, lad, because you can't hold me. I'm, I'm going to keep thieving. All that's going to happen, if you think about it, is that Jack's going to give up his friends, they're going to arrest all his friends, get him hung, and then Jack's going to keep thieving, and they're just going to arrest him again anyway. So he's like, no, um, I'm not giving up my friends. I'm going to be out in two weeks, so don't worry about it. It's fine. And the death penalty was given. Jack, as I said, Mm. had no intention of hanging. In fact, Jack had a pocket knife and was going to... Because, again, he's not been searched. This is the most famous... (laughs) the most famous escapee in London at this point. This guy's like, like I say, Houdini of the 1700s. And they're like, I'm not going to search him. So Jack has a pocket knife and was actually going to an attempt an escape. But a couple of days before his execution, it was discovered and taken away from him. Now, yeah, I know. And you think, oh no, that's his only option. Like that's all he had left. And it really was. Now on the 16th of November in 1724, Jack was taken from his cell and made the two-mile-long procession from Newgate Prison to Tyburn, where he would be hanged until dead. Now, the route was lined, interestingly, with thousands of Londoners wanting to catch a glimpse of Jack, maybe hoping to see some magical escape. And along the way, the wagon stopped at a tavern so that Jack could have himself one last drink. Um, It's... Apparently rumoured that this is where we get the phrase one for the road and back on the wagon. Oh, fascinating. Yeah, so you just get one more before you go on the road so you can be hung. Uh, and the idea of being back on the wagon was that um, you, uh, when you're on the wagon, you don't drink because obviously you're going to the gallows. But when you come off, the, yeah. when you get off the wagon, you're, you're, you're drinking again. So you, you go you, and then you go back on the wagon. That is fascinating. That's that's top quality knowledge. Yeah, I think it's quite cool. I think if anyone's at like a pub quiz tomorrow or whatever, and you, that might be some interesting knowledge for you. Um, yeah. Now, waiting for him at Tyburn was supposedly 20,000 people. Like, actually, loads of fucking people came to see Jack Shepard. Uh, his official biography was being sold to onlookers. Imagine that. Like, you're just some, <laughs> you're just some tiddlyfuck from Spitalfields in London. You've got no prospects, no nothing. You become a thief, and your life story is being sold in front of you whilst you're about to get hung. How bizarre is that? Bittersweet. It, yep, absolutely bittersweet. Totally bittersweet. Um, now, Jack had unfortunately no magical escape plan. The noose was placed around his neck, and unfortunately, he dropped. His body was left to hang for 15 minutes before it was cut down. Jack didn't have a plan, but a couple of his old friends did including Bess. Now, this is the interesting bit. This was like, this is Ocean's Eleven Starly, right? The plan was to have Jack's body taken off the noose as quickly as possible. Literally, as soon as it was able to be taken off, cut him out, cut him down, take his body and take him to a doctor. And they were going to, they were hoping because Jack was such a small, slender man that um, mm. his neck wouldn't have been broken and that he would just be very, very yeah. fucking unconscious, like on the cusp mm. of death. And they were hoping that a doctor might be able to revive him. Um, however, <laughs> this is slightly ironic. 
the crowd stopped it from happening. So when the group, including Bess, went to go get Jack's body, the crowd were like, fuck, fuck, grab them. They're going to take his body and dissect him. So they stopped them from taking Jack's body and ironically killed him. (laughs) Although it was likely he was dead and it's it's very unlikely as well that he would have been revived. However, the plan was to try and revive him and the crowd that loved him so much and didn't want him to die inadvertently possibly killed him. Mm. Well, I'm surprised the guards would have just let anyone just take his body. Yeah, well, it's one of those things. It's like, well, it's worthless now. Have it. Um, yeah. And so uh, Jack Shepard, the man who couldn't be held captive, was dead. Uh, and this is the bit that honestly just shocked me. Um, he, Jack died at the age of 22. He did everything very young. He did everything. Lived fast, die young. Everything so young. He was 22. Like, he's, he's, he's actually, his thieving career... Uh, started and was over within I think like six months oh shit yeah so, so pretty much everything that we've discussed about Jack when he starts thieving and meeting Bess and living in a place and escaping prisons it's pretty much happened in a sort of you know six months to a year that's very impressive yeah it burned bright it burned hot and it, it, it went out very quickly and it's such a shame Um, but yeah that's the story of Jack Shepard, and I thought that was a really fucking cool story to tell. Absolutely, he's left behind one hell of a legacy. Yeah, I mean, that's what I mean. Like people today still know about him through, um, you know, famous attractions around the country and whatnot. So yeah, yeah, he's still around. Fascinating bloke, cool mm. bloke as well. Yeah, he's genuinely like quite a cool bloke. I like that he's he's got a bit of an attitude about him. He's like he's really cocksure, confident. He's just I like it. I really like this guy. I, and when I was learning about him and writing about him, I really felt like, you know, this is someone that you probably would find at the hole in the wall and he'd have really some some really fun stories to tell. Yeah, one like of the he, people you just want to listen to. Yeah, he's someone that you'd want to have a drink with. Like he's someone that's really cool. You want to hang around with Jack. He's like a cool lad. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Your mum will tell you not to, but you want to. Yeah, you're like, oh, that Jack. You know, I don't know. He's he's a bit of a bad lad. Like he's got a bit of a reputation. Be like, oh no, he's alright. He's alright. So that's the story of Jack Shepard. Yeah, that's thank it. you for bringing that to us. Nah, um, I hope uh, you guys enjoyed listening to Jack Shepard. That's a bit of London history for you. Um, I thought I'd change it up. Obviously, this is my week to do a bad person, and I always end up just doing the worst people. Um, and I thought I'd just, you know, do someone who's done bad shit, but also got, you know, cool a fun story. bad person, a fun bad person. That's it. I, like uh, it. I do. We have any idea what's coming next week? Um, we don't, Ryan. Unfortunately, I've been <laughs> very busy. However, next week I do have a fair bit of free time, so it'll be something cool. Is it? Who did I do last time? Please, I forget. Oh Christ! Oh, we did um, Stonewall last week. Stonewall. It will be a bad, bad person. Excellent. So who, we... who will it be? That's the, that's the question on everyone's lips. The we'll world. find out. Nobody knows. All right, guys. Uh, join us next week where we've got uh, a, another bad person coming up. Uh, thank you very much for listening, everyone. Make sure you follow us on all the socials if you can. If you'd like to donate to the show, you can do so. Um, you can do that on our Kofi page. You can find us on our social media. There's a link to it there. Or uh, find us at www.ko-fi.com forward slash that's what people do. Uh, it all goes to help the show 
tremendously so thank you very much to anyone who does that uh, please rate and review us if you listen to us on itunes um it's massively helpful to the show it helps us grow um and yeah yeah thank you very much for listening join us next week uh anything else um it's coming home it's coming home excellent <laughs> goodbye oh, goodbye I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.